Hello, I'm Victoria from ICUNet and today we're back with a brand spanking new episode of Know Your Onions, Hacks for Working Across Cultures. Before we dive into today's topic, we of course bet everyone is keeping well and healthy during this pandemic. We're headed towards the end of 2020, so let's make the best out of the two remaining months. So I'm here with my colleague Anna, and um, we'll be talking about stakeholder management and different cultures within our teams here at IC Unit. And uh, yeah, we're going to start out with her telling us who she is, what she does on a daily basis, and all that other fun stuff. Hi, Anna. Hi, Victoria. I'm happy to be here today. So do you um, want to start out with maybe introducing yourself, like tell us a little bit about how long you've been with ICUNet and what's your, what you do on a daily basis? Mm, I'm originally from northern Germany and I came to Passau to do my master's degree here in international culture and business studies, um, I think in 2012. And that's also how I came across ICUNet. And I found the business branch very interesting and they obviously didn't think my application was too bad. And that's how I ended up with ITUNet around five years ago. And my official job title today is Head of Digitalization and Operations. And this job actually encompasses diverse tasks, which are a little hard to describe, but... Um, <laughs> I like using um, the image of a bridge to explain what I'm doing in my daily business. And it's actually being a bridge between different departments at, and business units within ICUNet, but also between ICUNet and external service providers um, who cooperate with ICUNet and also between ICUNet and their clients. And my function, my job is to make sure that between these different parties, first of all, communication works smoothly and also that data and information flow works in a not only integrated but also consistent manner with the um, aim actually um, to help projects which involve more than one unit or one group mm -hmm. of people to run as efficiently as possible actually. And for example, one project which I work in at the moment is a project in which we link an external software of a client to the software that ICUNet uses. And I have to communicate with the different client contact persons, both from technical departments and operations, and also communicate to our internal contact persons in from the technical departments and really understand what the different parties need and streamline the information in the end and pour it into a concept that can be realized by um, our software development department at the end of the day. Yeah, as you just described and um, as you said yourself, it's a very complex topic um, for um, every company, I would say. So um, why does your job or your position require a good interface management? Like who or, or what are the main units you have to coordinate and align with? Mm -hmm. mm. As I've already like mentioned in my introduction, I work with various groups, which differ, of course, always to different degrees from each other. Um, and I mean, even within ICUNIT, we have highly different team cultures, which is 
probably normal and explicable when you just look at the different jobs that people do. For example, in finance department, our colleagues cooperate differently compared to the colleagues in the sales department. <laughs> um, and also the IT department or the IT team has another cooperation culture than, let me say, for example, our client advisors. Um, but still, I mean, they have to communicate and cooperate. And um, let me maybe use a very simple communication model to depict why interface management is important. And this model has been set up by Shannon and Weaver. It's an old model, actually. And the two guys were mathematicians at that time. Um, and they say, basically, that every communication always includes two parties, always a sender and a receiver, a receiving party. And the sender wants to transmit a message he made up in his mind to any receiver and therefore he makes use of a common language, for example, words or body language, um, to encode his message. And the receiver receives the message, he decodes it and ideally gives like a little feedback such as, I understood you, got it. Um, and Shannon and Weaver say that communication would work smoothly in a perfect world in which both parties, both sender and receiver, use exactly the same code. But unfortunately, or maybe even fortunately, the world isn't perfect and personal codes differ according to a person's educational background, the professional background, the personal, the cultural background. And when I say cultural background, I would include uh, the notion of team culture or company culture. And as a result, I mean, the sender sends a message in his words, the receiver decodes it from his background, from his perspective, which results very often in a different understanding But still, the receiver thinks he's gotten it right. He confirms, I got it, I will do the way you told me. And everyone is temporarily happy. And, temporarily, yeah. yeah right, <laughs> temporarily. Because the receiver gets into action, proudly presents his results to the sender. And at the end of the day, both are puzzled because it's just not what they agreed upon, at least not from the sender's personal perspective. <laughs> and this, obviously, I mean, leads to disappointment, demotivation, frustration, and all this. And it's, I mean, we can really name it. It's a waste of time and money. And my job is really important to avoid this. I try at least to put my focus on what people really mean. And I try to transmit this as clearly and unmistakably as I can to help, at the end of the day, people to save time, money, and also to keep them motivated. And just a little tip for you in this respect What usually helps is to put a lot more emphasis on the last step of the communication process in the Shannon and Weaver model, the feedback part. Mm -hmm. If you are, for example, the receiver, you should make sure that you've really gotten the sender's message. If you're the sender, ensure the receiver has really understood what you mean and don't be too hasty with your feedback. You can use like various techniques to do so. You can repeat in your own words what you think you understood. Or you can even like draw a scribble of what you think you understood. Or you can ask your counterpart to create some sort of visual visualization of what he wants to transmit to you. You can really be creative, but you have to make sure that you have really gotten the gist, the message. Mm -hmm. So can you share, for example, what, what are the different team cultures you, you noticed? And um, have you developed um, different motivations, strategies, or, or what's that all about? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I might refer to the example that I've uh, stated already, um, like the difference between finance department and sales department. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, as I've said, according to my experiences, team cultures can differ highly from each other. 
Um, and the slightly generalized example would be that in finance departments or maybe even IT departments, people are often less talkative, more introverted, and they show high levels of conservative behavior. Stereotype. <laughs> yeah, which that's what I said. It's a generalized example. I mean, still there might be different persons within yeah. these teams. I mean, this tendency makes a lot of sense because we have to keep in mind that their work necessarily has to, very, has to be very detail-oriented and it requires a high level of concentration to make sure that at the end of the day, numbers are precise and correct. And the main motivation of people in finance department is and has to be to get things done properly and timely in a standardized manner. And on the contrary, in sales departments, people are usually very talkative, very open, more relationship-oriented, but less interested in details or keeping things mm -hmm. as they are. And their motivation is to get in touch with people, to build relationships, to convince people and to sell stuff in order to create revenues. What about different motivation strategies? Mm -hmm. um, that's a good question, actually. Um, even though, I mean, team cultures can be very different or even contrasting, like I've shown in the example just before, there are some like basic motivational techniques which globally work. For example, it always helps to provide a very clear objective, clarifying why a person has to take some sort of effort. And as soon as someone clearly knows why he or she does something and which benefits the effort will produce, the person is definitely a lot more motivated because, I mean, purpose is one of the most powerful motivating forces for, I think, everyone. But still, I mean, you definitely have to consider specific preferences when working with different groups of people. And therefore, it's important, I think, to understand how people are motivated and then to adjust your motivation efforts accordingly. I think it's important to understand which core value, let me call it core value, drives a person and always keep this in mind when working with a person. And this core value might be, for example, for someone it might be power and status. For someone else it might be a sense of belonging, um, For the next person, it might be self-realization and personal growth. Someone else might primarily be interested in um, getting a sense of security and so on. And as soon as you understand what someone needs, and that's basically what, what also drives the person, it'll be a lot easier for you to motivate him or her. A person in search for belonging, for example, might be motivated by being made part of a team mm -hmm. and by being able to support a group, whereas someone in search for in search of power and status, might be rather motivated by being given a unique activity which enhances his or her visibility. I actually really like this approach because it's so flexible and also because it places the focus on the individual. And I think this is really important because even though some motivational types might occur more often in a certain team, Referring to my example, probably the person searching for a sense of security is rather to be found in finance departments, whereas the salesperson is more likely to be driven by status, power and visibility. You can never ever lump all team and company members together and find a one-fits-all way mm -hmm. of motivating them. You always have to keep in mind that you're working with individuals and therefore I really like the value-based approach. So another question, as, as you just described, you get to see the, the corporate part of this, like the corporate structure, but you also get to see or get to work with all the individuals themselves. So can you tell us which have been the biggest challenges or troubles you faced regarding the coordination of the different teams? 
Yes, I can. We have faced actually various kinds of challenges and troubles <laughs> <laughs> in our daily business. Um, I mean, what happens regularly are misunderstandings of all kinds. Mm. And as I've mentioned already, what usually helps is this feedback process, to put emphasis on the feedback process and really make sure you understand each other. Um, another interesting thing we, we had is were situations in which a lack of communication caused trouble. Um, we had this situation in which, like talking in my communication model terms, um, the ascender person uploaded a document in a shared like cloud storage space, and he was happy because he thought he was done with his duties, but he unfortunately hadn't informed the recipient about his action. So that's why the document passed unnoticed. A lot of time went by until someone accidentally noticed that the related action has never been completed. And as to my experience, what helps usually is to create really standardized communication path to um, give people like, like rules for communication to tell them who's to be informed and also by which communication channel. Another challenge we faced was a situation in which over-communication was a problem. Um, we had a project team and there were millions, really millions of meetings. And every meeting was with a different group of participants. Mm. And they were repeating information again and again to make sure that everyone is informed. And also because they've lost the overview on who knows what already with the result that still, again and again, those in charge didn't get the information they need because they've missed the crucial one out of millions of meetings. And no one had noticed because, I mean, the, the overview has been lost a long time ago. And in this case, it usually helps to uh, clarify, first of all, and understand who's responsible for what in the first place, and then use this knowledge in order to question which meetings you really need and to clean up by cancelling useless or duplicate meetings and recreate a reasonable meeting structure that makes sense. And in many cases, I mean, less really is more. And the last maybe interesting soft topic um, would be personal differences leading to an uncooperative or even destructive mm. behavior, which also happens, I mean, especially at intersections between highly differing cultures. And I think maybe, well, probably most of us have already made the experiences that there are colleagues with whom we can cooperate easily because they are more alike and others which are more different, which makes cooperation way harder. And in this case, one really needs to help both persons, both parties to gain a better understanding of the counterparts' motivations, their hardships and their needs, and also to set a clear framework for cooperation to which both parties actively have to commit themselves. So final question is if you have some sort of insider tips, tricks, hacks, whatever term you prefer, you have to think of when managing interfaces. I mean, you've shared um, a lot and a lot of um, tips and tricks already with us. But which are the most important translation skills one would need, in your opinion? Mm, um, well, as you've said, I think I've mentioned the most important hacks already in the course of the interview. But I can seize the opportunity to sum it up again and put it in a nutshell. So, first of all... Um, I'd like to put emphasis on the on using a human-centered approach because I mean you always have to keep in mind that everyone is different, and um, understanding what drives a person 
you cooperate with and um, really, really understanding the core values of a person will help you a lot to adjust your action to a person's specific values and help them cooperate efficiently. Um, another point um, which is important is I think that you have to keep in mind that communication is crucial and not easy. Um, but there are several communication techniques or tips you can make use of to make or to enhance communication, to make it better, to improve it. First of all, it's important always to set clear goals, to explain the why someone has to do something, because this will really help people stay motivated and enhance cooperation. And then it also helps to be clear about the different persons involved um, in an interface project, to understand their roles and responsibilities and also adjust the communication and meeting structure accordingly. A third tip would be not to over-communicate. Um, the thing I mentioned before, like knowing who's responsible for what, will help you a lot to bring the right people together in a meeting, for example. Less is highly likely to be more. Another point I made is that it's important to make sure you really understood what your communication counterpart wants to tell you by putting emphasis on the feedback part of the communication yeah. process. Really yeah, right. And to ensure you understood, really understand precisely what the other wants to tell you. This helps a lot. And the last point I made, I think, is to use really standardized communication channels. Make sure that no information gets lost create some structure and rules for communication. I mean, of course, you shouldn't be restrictive by creating too many rules, but you still you can provide a framework and um, make people stick to it. And I, I mean, I can say from my own experience that for me, these are some really important hacks for helping different people communicate and also enhance efficient cooperation between different teams and at interfaces. Well, obviously, you know your onions. <laughs> So thank Hope you so. so much. Thanks for sharing. Um, well, yeah, thank you very much for share, for letting me sharing these thoughts with you today. Pleasure. And you guys out there should definitely not miss out on any more episodes. So subscribe and check out our e-learning courses at learnhub.icnet.group. Stay safe and we'll see you in the next one.